we're in week number two of a five-part series that we're calling Fighting for Families. How many of you know that sometimes we have to fight? Fight for our families. But how many of you believe our families are worth it? Come on, can I get a better amen, everybody? The world, our culture, the enemy is fighting for our kids. And as parents, we have to fight the good fight of faith because our children deserve our best effort. Uh, let me just see by show of hands, how many parents and grandparents do we have in the room today? Awesome. That's most of us. If you don't have children yet, maybe you ought to take notes. This will come in handy unless you desire to be a nun or live a life of celibacy in some way. More than likely, you're going to have some little rugrats running around. And you're going to wonder, what do I do with these kids? Thank you, Jesus. The scripture says they are a gift from the Lord. But how many of you know sometimes they feel like a gift you want to return, right? Okay, or exchange. Don't raise your hand if you feel that way. Your child may be sitting in the room. Have a complex after this. Parenting isn't easy. It's not easy. I heard a guy say one time, parenting is like a walk in the park. And I was like, yeah, Jurassic Park. How I many you know what I'm saying? I got some memes because parenting's not easy, especially when you have to bring a little, little correction, a little discipline. How many of you can relate with this first one right here? Parenting at, in public. Come on, you're so sweet and patient. You're like, hello, little Johnny. What can you do? Okay, we're going to count to three. Parenting at home, like I'm going to kill you if you don't do it right now. I am not advocating child abuse in any form or fashion. How about the kids can make a lot of noise? Can I, amen, everybody. If you're a parent, you're like, man, how they? And then somebody somehow had an idea to give kids whistles and like noisemakers. Hopefully, they're not doing that at, in anchor being kids today, you know? How about this one right here? It's like, I don't know who gave my child a whistle, but I will find you and I will kill you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, kids don't make a lot of noise. The only time they don't make a lot of noise is when they're in bed, right, or asleep. It's that, those moments that you get when you're a little, bit of, a little bit of silence and solitude, peace as a parent. So when you're putting that baby to bed, come on, how many of you know this is what it looks like, but this is what it feels like? It's like a, it's like a bomb. You're like, just be careful. Don't breathe. Mamas, y'all the real MVPs. Where are the mamas at? Let me hear you out there. Hey, hey. Mamas, y'all are awesome. Then there's some stay-at-home moms. I had a stay-at-home mom. They go through a whole nother level of, of trauma, staying home with the children all day, all day long. So maybe mamas, if you're a stay-at-home mom, you can relate with this one. When daddy walks through the door, come on, you, you out. Where you going? I don't know. Just not here. I'm just going somewhere. And then grandparents, where are you at? Let me hear you out there, grandparents. Y'all looking all sweet and everything. Y'all part of the problem. Y'all part of the problem. Y'all going to act like y'all just, oh, we just going, I'm the same. I raised you the same way. No, you didn't. I look at my dad and mom sometimes like, what happened to the people that raised me? What'd you do with them? Because grandparents, this is what you be like right here. They'd be like, just a little snack. I'm going to send you home, mom and daddy. Y'all laughing. Got the kids out of the house, and you living the dream now. 
sometimes I wonder as a parent, am I setting my kids up for success or to see a psychologist? Well, it's, it's one or the other, you know. Sometimes it's both, I guess. As a parent, I've made plenty of mistakes. I've blown it big time. I'm no parenting expert. I'm a pastor. I'm, I am a parent. But together, I believe we're going to learn from the greatest parent of all. How many of you know God is a good father? He's a good father. And today we're going to look at his word and we're going to learn principles on how to raise up a generation of amazing, godly kids. Are you ready for the word today? Come on, clap if you're ready for God's word today. Thank God for his word. Pull out your Bibles. Get ready to take notes because everyone going to heaven takes notes. Proverbs 22, the Old Testament. If you don't have your Bibles with you, you can, you can look, look along, share along, follow along, I should say. On the screens. Let's read it together. This is the New King James Version. This is what it says. You ready? Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Children need training. And the job of a parent is not to simply feed a child and, you know, somehow get them out of their house, but to actually raise them up and to train them in order that that child can be the person that God has called them to be, to, to get on the path that God has for their life in the way that he or she should go. Now, I believe a couple of things. One, every child has a unique path. They're so unique. I look at my two boys. I have a 19-year-old and a 16-year-old, and sometimes Karen and I look at each other and say, they came from the same gene pool, but how could they be so different? And we have to parent them and train them in, their un in a unique way, according to their unique callings, giftings, personality, temperament that God put on them and in them. I don't want to put a burden of them to be just like me on them. That would be unfair because God hasn't called me to raise them to be just like me. No, it's my job to discern who God has called them to be and help them to discern that as well and to know it and to live it out. And I also believe that God has a path for our children. There's a path of righteousness. There's a way. There's a road that God wants us to get on, all of us. And he wants, our ch he wants us to help our children to, to discover that path for themselves. Now, if you've been around church for a while, if you haven't, maybe you've heard this verse anyway. And, and you, it's like, if I just train up my kid the way he should go, then when they're old, they'll, they'll not depart. And sometimes we think, well, if I bring them to church, if we're just Christians, then... Even though they may rebel and act like heathens at some point in their life, then they'll come back to it. And they'll come back to what's right. And I think there's some truth to that. But I believe the deeper meaning of this text is not to just train them up and then hopefully they'll come back even if they wander, but to train them up in such a way that they do not depart in the first place. Like this is who we are. This is authentic. This is real. This is how, this is life at its best. I'm not telling you to do one thing and showing you another. But there's consistency. There is authenticity there. And, and I believe that's what the Lord really wants us to see here. And, and that's what training is all about. Training. Training. Now, this word actually means it's a training that that's not accidental but it's intentional there's a plan here there's a 
There's systematic method of training that we have adopted. We're not just throwing pizza pockets at you and setting you in front of an iPad. No, we're going to actually train you. Like an athlete would go through training, like a soldier would go through training. No, we're going to get you ready for life. This is not in your notes, but the Bible says children are like an arrow that you are to launch into their future. And, and we're going to get you ready to launch. Because I can't have you living up in here until you're 30 years old. <laughs> Me and mama trying to be empty nesters, and y'all know what the, that means, and all the empty nesters, they be grinning right now. <laughs> training. Remember, training wheels. I mean, training wheels only last for, they're, they're only to be used for, for so long. Right? The idea is that they come off. Like if we saw a 30-year-old with training wheels, we'd think, hey, some ain't right. Bro, man, needs a little prayer. He needs a freedom group. But parents, there comes a point where we are to play a different role in the life of our child. At first, we're doing everything with them. We're holding them up. We're, we're, we're guiding them. We're, we're the training wheels. But at some point, the training wheels come off. And at that point, will our children be ready? Think about it um, another way. A, a tree that gets planted. A landscaper plants a tree. What does he do when the tree is young and small and pliable and it can be shaped? He puts stakes down in the ground in order to hold the tree in place, in order for the tree to grow straight. And there's a, only, there, there's a limited amount of time. This is time-sensitive. Because if one waits too long, then you can't shape a tree that's mature and already crooked. And society's trying to do that with so many that never had godly training as children. Now we're trying to prop them up, and you can't. You can't, you can't straighten them out. Only God can do that at some point by his work and his grace. And he can do that. But God gives, uh, gives children parents in order for our kids to grow up strong, in order for them to be fruitful. But as that tree is planted, how many of you know it starts pulling away from the stakes? It tries. And that's what our kids do to us every day. Then you get in them teenage years and they really pulling. But the stakes have to be committed and strong in order for that tree to grow straight and grow tall. So here's the problem. If we're not mindful, then we can unintentionally disregard God's design for training and... Adopt the default method, which is the world's way of training our kids. And I would say that the world's way is not wise. It's not yielding good results. And here's what we can easily do as parents if we're not mindful. And here's the first thing. If you're taking notes, we can risk too little. Anybody old enough to remember the days when we rode in the back of pickup trucks? I mean, it's like, like just get in. Like how many? We only got three seats. Just get in the back. Where are we going, Dairy Queen? <laughs> I remember riding in the back of a pickup truck on the feeder road of Interstate 10. Just 65. Daddy had it nailed down. I mean, it was on the regular. Like, we just riding in the back of the truck. He's like, sit up here close to the cab. Don't be standing up. <laughs> I'm not advocating we put our kids in the back of the truck. But how about car seats? We had no car seats. We had the only car seat we had was mama or daddy's arm. 
and it would scratch you, I mean, bruise you, but it would catch you. Come on, how many are being saved by mama's arm? Oh, talk about the strong hand of the Lord. How about the strong hand of mama? Boom, just quick, just like cat-like quickness. Boom! Y'all know how that's how they invented the airbag? Because somebody's mama had a lot hanging right there. And they went, and that bed, Thank God for that. I could save somebody's life. Don't you be trying to get rid of it. Oh, I'm not saying we shouldn't be safe, but we have gotten so ridiculous about this with our children. We, we, it's like anything that could possibly go wrong. And I'm not just talking about physically. But what if, what, if they, what if they fail? You know, what if, it, what if they get disappointed? I mean, now we're giving every kid a trophy. Everybody did get a trophy back in the day. I used to remember, I'd sit there, man, with an award ceremony, mad if we didn't get one. I was over there, man. I was already getting ready. I was training in my mind for next season. Like Rocky, I was like, man, I'm going to get one next year. Man, I, I hate that team. I hate all those kids. But we got to the point, we're giving everybody trophies. Life didn't work out like that. Why are we raising them like that? Not everybody gets the same results. Everyone has the potential to get the same results, but not everybody gets the same results. So we risk too little. How about this? We reward too frequently. Kids come up to me. Happens all the time. Dad, I need some new shoes. Oh, okay, you need some shoes. Which ones do you want? These. They have like a StockX app open. I'm like, man, those are $250. Dad, I need them. No, you need food and water. <laughs> but what do I do? We bought them. I ain't going to lie, guilty. Come on, anybody feel me on that? I guess maybe I was thinking, well, maybe they get better shoes. Because when I was a kid, we go to Payless. How many remember that Payless mama? I mean, mom, hey, we going to go get some new shoes? You're like, yeah, where are we going to Payless? <laughs> All right, I'm going to find some. I'm going to find some. XJ two nine thousands, you know. All the other kids be stopping on the basketball court. I'd try to stop. I'd just be sliding. Travel. Like, man, Bobby's shoes. Mom be looking at it in the stand. Four-year-old wants a phone. We get him an iPhone. 16 years old, they get a, they, time to start buying, you know, driving. What do we do? We go get them a vehicle. What did they do to contribute to the purchase of these items? Most of the time, absolutely nothing. Didn't earn it. Didn't earn it at all. And, and we want to give nice things to our kids, but if we do it without asking them to, to begin to perform in some way, I'm talking about the extras. I'm not talking about the basics. Like, don't make them earn the food and water, you know. It's like... That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother situation if you in that, stop doing that, all right? But if we give them everything they want when they want it, we create an entitlement mentality in them, which is what the world is filled with right now. They think they deserve something. You don't deserve anything other than what you've earned. The Bible tells us God said, God said, I have given you the power to make wealth. So you go make the life that you want. Don't ask someone else to give you something that you haven't earned. 
That's not God's way. Now, we can help people that can't help themselves. Amen, everybody? But when it comes to our children, we need to train them to be fruitful and productive. We cannot reward, reward too frequently. How about this one? We rescue too quickly. As a parent, one of the toughest things that we can do is to allow our children to learn life's most difficult lessons. Pain. Pain is a, an amazing teacher. Right? Like, I ain't going to do that anymore. Or that hurt. That was difficult. Speaking of teachers, any teachers in the house today? Thank God for you. I pray for you. It's not, and I don't pray for you because of the kids. I pray for you because of the parents that you have to deal with. I remember when I was a kid, parents didn't call home. They just light you up. You know what I'm talking about? They, they applied the board of education to the seat of higher learning. And, and I, I got lit up a lot. So if you're, you're struggling with the child, just know, hey, God can do anything. There's a, there's a struggling kid up on that stage today. But it's like when they hit me, it's like those bad thoughts. It would, they would hit here and the bad thoughts would just be ejected out of my mind. Now, if you don't believe in disciplining your children that way, that's on you. But I'm going to tell you right now, I discipline mine that way. And that's, that, that's what we did. And, and, and I got two boys that are doing well. They're not perfect boys, but they're doing well. They're doing very, they're very productive. One's in Bible school. One's a 16. He's on the golf team. I mean, he, they're doing well in school. I mean, and, and, and this is what you want. But many times we rescue too quickly. I've seen parents, because I was a youth pastor, they would get, they, they call teachers when there's a problem and the teacher's trying to hold little Johnny accountable. And they, instead of working with the teacher to help Johnny, they start working against the teacher with Johnny. Like, oh, you just don't know. Don't you talk to my child like that? <laughs> oh, there's going to be people talk to your kid when he's an adult in such a way that ain't going to be very, very nice. We have to teach our children to respect authority. All authority has been established by God. It's in the Bible. I didn't make it up. Oh, little Johnny would never. You don't know little Johnny? Mama, you think you know you don't know Johnny at school. He coming home and telling you everything he knows that if you hear it, you're going to go his way. He ain't telling you. Oh, because the teachers start telling you something. You're like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know he did what? We rescue too quickly. Have you ever made a midnight run to Walmart because somebody got a project due tomorrow? I did it once. I never did it again. Cause I now and then I started saying, "Oh, but, Dad, I got, but I, Dad, I gotta do tomorrow." I'm like, "Well, I'm sorry you did this to yourself. Your mom and daddy would be so happy to go, but you're gonna tell us the night before this isn't my project. This is your project. Some parents be liking the projects." And you can tell when you go to the things at the school and then got this diorama. It's got like, you know, electrical circuits on it. And it's like 3D and it's beautifully painted. Not at our house. I ain't got time for that. I don't want to do that. That's not a, it ain't no bonding project because the kid bails on you. They're gaming. They ain't got, they know, daddy do, he doing it. He got me, daddy got me, mama got me. I ain't got you. I just told my kids, I ain't got you. I don't care what it looks like. 
I got other things to do. I got a golf game to play. I got to uh, we'll sit over and watch TV. I mean, I got important stuff. <laughs> How about they forget their lunch money and you have to, you somehow have to go out of your way to make sure that they have something to eat. Let them eat that sandwich, that cheese sandwich. Let them go hungry one day. They won't forget the next day. No, I'm serious. We rescue too quickly. We have to teach our children to be responsible. And this is just in the practical matters of life. But what about the spiritual matters? How are we going to train them up spiritually? See, if we fail to train them, then they'll never know the God that we serve in the way that we want them to know. It happens all throughout history. If you go back to the book of Judges in the Old Testament, look at this verse, Judges 2. It says, after those people died, their children grew up and did not know the Lord nor or what he had done for Israel. So one generation, the first generation, comes into the promised land. Joshua was their leader. They defeated all the, 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 the enemies. They took possession of the land. God is good. Woo! And they had worked for it. They had, they had trusted God. They had obeyed God. The next generation, they protected somewhat what God had provided. But they begin to become half-hearted in their worship of God. They were losing their passion for God, their willingness to obey God. And then what happened next, the third generation, which is what this verse just described, they didn't even know the Lord. You see, it doesn't work unless we intentionally pass it down. How do we pass down a first generation faith with a secondhand experience? We cannot give what we do not have. So if we want our kids to passionately pursue God, how many of you know we must first model it for them? Oh, we got quiet up in this Presbyterian church today. <laughs> so I want to I establish a no shame zone. We've all messed up, as I said earlier. We haven't been perfect. But how many of you know today's a new day? Come on, we can begin to model what it means to follow Jesus. And our kids, they pick up on it. You want them to read their Bible? Let them see you reading your Bible. You want them to be a person of prayer? Then let them see you praying. And they begin to pick it up. This is what we do. This is who we are. You want to see them serve others? Then you start serving. Are you following me? And I know some people say, well, kids don't come with an instruction manual. I've said that before, but they actually do. It's called God's Word. And if we learn how to look into it, get into a good church, get into some small groups like this. I mean, now we begin to understand, oh, man, God's got wisdom for me. He's not finding fault with me for the things I've done wrong. He just wants to show us a better way. Deuteronomy 6 gives us a game plan. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. He's talking to parents, Moses. You shall teach them diligently to your children, shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. He talks about four times when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you get up. I'm going to give you four times, prime time. Just These are handles, practicals, tools that you can put in your toolbox. First time is morning time. That's the first part of the day. Come on, there's some things you can begin to just impart into your kids. Just, just hey, God's got a great plan for your life. Hey, today's going to be a good day. Come on, God's in it. He's for you, not against you. Come on, pray for them when they walk out of the house. My kids were little. I would just do funny stuff. It would crack me up. I'd crack myself up. I said, get over here. 
and they come stand over there. They had their little backpacks on. I just put my hands on their head. And I kind of shake them like this. I say, God. And they, they start laughing, looking at each other. <laughs> Watch over these kids today. What was I doing? I just reminded them that we're a family that serves God. I didn't have to have some big Devo time with them. We didn't have Devos. Because the first time we tried it, and we didn't do it again. Now, if it works for you, great. You might need to write a book for the rest of us because I didn't figure it out. Because I thought, I believe more is caught than taught. So we had, you know, we'd, we'd be trying that first time, and one of them started making a noise with their armpit. I mean, oh, I thought it was funny, so I started. Kara's like, Josh, you're, you're the pastor. You're, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm not a good pastor. We ain't doing this no more. But I find these times, you know, what, what's another time? How about mealtime? I'm going to pray over the food. No phone zone. If you bring a phone to the table at my house, you ain't getting it back. So if you come over, you better keep that thing out of sight. <laughs> hang up and hang out. Can I get an amen? amen? Saddest thing I ever see is when I go to a restaurant and a family there. Listen, you only have so much time with your family. And they're all on their phone. Connecting with the rest of the world instead of the people that God has placed into their life. You ought to think about that next time before you pull that thing out at a table. You have to train yourself and discipline yourself. Hey, I'm going to engage my kids. Don't just put them in front of an iPad all the time. Talk to them. Listen to them. Share with them. When I was a youth pastor, I asked kids this question. I had 300 kids sitting in a room. And I said, how many of you would, would love your parents to spend more time with you? Almost every hand in the room went up. And that was 15 years ago. I believe the results would be the same today. How about drive time? We don't walk anywhere because Moses said when you walk along the way. We don't walk anymore, thank God, for SUVs and minivans. Come on, but when we're driving down the road, what you listening to? Oh, you say, Pastor, you want them old? Yeah, I'm old school when it comes to that because music is powerful. The first worship leader in heaven, his name was Lucifer. And don't tell me Satan doesn't have, have a thing for music and a gift for it, even to this day. And he'll hook you with that beat, and then he'll throw a message on the inside of it. The beat catches your mind, but that, that, that lyric, that meaning, that, that message gets into your heart. You don't want your kids listening to it? Don't listen to it yourself. You want them to have good playlists? You have good playlists. Ooh, don't shout me down. My dad used to tell me every day on the way to school when he would take it. He's a shift worker, 50 years. Well, not quite 50 years, but he, he started at his chemical plant in 1976. He's still there. He's going to retire here soon, so almost 50 years. He is the epitome of steadiness. Same mustache and haircut since I've known him, from the day I met him. <laughs> if he shaved, I was like, who are you? He's like, I'm your dad. Oh, I didn't know. But he, every day he took us to school when he wasn't working, he would say, be a leader, not a follower. And after a while, you're like, man, come on, Dad, I know. I know, be a leader, not a follower. <laughs> but you know what? That message got in there. And there came a point in my life where I said, I'm not following the, way, the, the rest of this crowd because broad is the way that leads to destruction. 
Narrow is the road that leads to life. Maybe daddy was onto something. So parents, even if you're not who's who in the world system, you could be like my daddy and you could be steady and consistent and godly and God will honor you and you will become the hero to your kids. He's my hero. How about bedtime before they go to bed? Have a little time to talk with them. Karen and I believe that a 15 minute spent with our kids daily and just some communication that they can't hide the issues that are going on in them. We've discovered times in, in talking that, you know, our children have been picked on or they're struggling with something or a habit or something that snuck in or, and, and the friends, you know, and we start finding out things because they're, they may not even say it, but how many know their body language and countenance will show it to you? And come on, parents, if you're a, if you're a saved person, you've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. He'll reveal things to you. My mama used to know my hiding spots in my room. I ain't going to tell you what I was hiding, but I was hi that's because I was hiding it. She said, there's something right over here. I looked in that drawer, but I couldn't find it. There was a secret compartment under that drawer that I had made. I'm like, Mom, how you know that? She goes, I have the Holy Spirit. Man, Mom. Even when I was partying, you know, right out of high school, I couldn't have fun. I'd be looking over in the corner by the punch bowl, and there'd be like Jesus and the four horsemen of the apocalypse sitting over there. Like, what's up? Your mama sent us. Here's what happens if you raise your kids. I'm out of time. Let me give them to you quickly, though. But let's look at this first. Praise the Lord. Here's if you do it right. If you train them right, if you're intentional, how joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Come on, does that sound like you today? Does that describe you? It says, their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. Light shines in the darkness for the godly. For who? The godly. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. Righteous. Every parent wants this for their kids. Successful, blessed. They have light. They have more than enough. They're not stumbling around in darkness. They got light. Come on. They're not sticking around until they're 35 years old, not knowing what they're going to do with their life. No, they got light. They're getting on God's plan or path and God's plan for their life. Then he gives us three things. Write these things down. Parents, if you want to train your kids right, number one, model generosity. He said they're generous. Kids cannot be generous unless they're shown how to be generous. It's not natural to be generous. It's natural to be selfish. Our world system says, take care of yourself. Look out for number one. Listen, that ain't God's message. It, that message has crept into the church. You want to be on you the, the fastest way to be unhappy is try to make yourself happy. When you live for yourself, you will be unhappy. It's only in selflessness and in generosity and giving your life away, sharing what God has given you with others that you find true meaning and significance. You don't believe me, try me. Generous. First Timothy, I ain't going to read this all out, but First Timothy 6 says that we ought to even use our money to do good, to share with those. Listen, as believers, we don't love money. We don't trust in riches. We trust in the one who richly provides. Our kids need to see that. Do they know that you're a giver? Do they know that you give to the house of God? If you're under a mountain of debt, your kids will be under a mountain of debt. Show them how to live 
right and handle money God's way. If you're not in that place right now or in a place where you're handling it right, get in a small group. Learn how to be financially responsible. See the blessing of God come on your life. Be a tither. Start supporting the local church with your finances. I saw my mama do this all the time. My grandma and grandpa did it. I started tithing. Students, listen to me. When I was 16 years old, I was making four twenty-five an hour at Pizza Inn, and I could make a pizza. <laughs> Minimum wage. 10% going right back to the church. It wasn't even, I didn't even have to think about it. Why? Because we, this is just what I saw. Mom would be writing checks in church. I'd be wanting some new George. Remember, we could only get the Payless version. Like, Mom, I could, we could get them. We don't, have the, we don't have that right now for that. I'm like, Mama, yes, you do. I saw the check you wrote at the church. You're lying. You lying, Mom. She said, that wasn't our money. She said, that was God's money. And if I bought that for you, I would be robbing God. Ooh, thank God for a mama that knew how to stand up for what was right and have some convictions. It taught me there's some things more important than my own comfort. That God's house matters. That what he's doing. I want to be generous. Secondly, demonstrate compassion for others. Colossians 3 says to clothe yourself with compassion. Anybody accidentally get into some clothes today? Like you just rolled out of bed and then you look you looking beautiful and amazing. No, you, you made a decision. Some of y'all might have thought about it. Should have thought about it a little bit longer. I just want I'm just playing. I'm just playing. You look good. You don't accidentally be compassionate. It's not natural. You have to make a decision. Compassion is not, oh, I feel sorry for them. Anybody can feel empathy. But compassion is coupled with an action that said, I don't just feel it. I'm going to do something about it. How many of you know God is compassionate towards us, to those that are hurting? Compassion motivates serving. Are you a serving person? Do you serve within the local church? Do you live to serve or do you live to be served? Jesus, the Bible says of him that he did not come to be served, but to serve and to do things for others. Come on, that's one of the things I love about Anchor Ben. There's a place for everybody to serve. God made you a certain way. There's certain things you're good at. You could start serving and making a difference right now in somebody's life. Our kids can serve. My kids serve. They are both at the church today. Back home, my oldest came in from college. They will serve one service and they'll attend another. They sometimes will serve two services and attend one. Now we're at four services. Well, I don't ask them to stay all four, but when they were little, they had to be there for all three. I know some parents are like, well, you know, Pastor, we just don't want our kids to be at church so long. It's such a long time. <laughs> but you will sit them in front of SpongeBob and a video gaming station and not think twice about it for five, six, seven, eight hours. Hey, I'm a guest. I'm not coming back next week. I'm going to tell you like it is. It ain't about the kids being here that long. You don't want to be here that long. People be blaming their kids for all kinds of stuff. But you know, little Johnny, he's a little bit hyper. Wonder where you got that from. 
you out there and serve. Make a difference. Come on, how many of you know it's worth it? People are matter to God. People matter to God. We need to serve. We need to serve. Third thing, show them how to love God in the church. That's the last point, and I'm done. I know there's a tension that parents face. And here's what they say. And you may have said this. I don't want to force faith on my kids. Well, don't. Don't. Well, I don't know if I want to make them come to church. You make them go to school. And they're learning all kinds of junk in there. No offense to the teachers in the room. I'm telling you, it's a whole different value system. Even Christians' teachers, their hands are tied in many situations. Which is sad. But we have to position them in such a way where they can be exposed to the goodness of God and, and God can sneak in there. I mentioned earlier our kids and, and reading the Bible. I get up every morning and I read God's word. Not just because I'm a pastor, because I'm a Jesus follower. And, and as I'm reading it, sometimes they'll walk in, you know, waking up, and they'll see Daddy over there in that chair with his Bible. Mama's got her Bible. Different chair, different room. She got one of them fancy little frilly chairs. They've seen us pray together, pray for each other, forgive each other, apologize to one another, come to church together, worship God. They'll see me with my hands up because the Bible says lift your hands up to God and worship him. God loves to worship that way. And I, I saw my daddy do that. And, and it never was forced on me. Now, there was a time I kind of went my own way, but I came out of a really legalistic church. I didn't see my first movie until I was 16 years old in a theater because we didn't want to dishonor my grandmother. So it's real legalistic. And, and I know sometimes I don't want to force religion. Don't force religion. But expose them to a life-giving relationship with God. Because, because it's so contagious. And that's what our children want and they need. And we can be a part of God's plan to bring them into his bigger family. God uses a natural family to bring children into a world so he can grow his spiritual family, a family that will last forever. Let me pray for you today. Father, I pray for every person. I pray for every home, every situation. God, I don't know all the details, but you do. And God, I know that there's some that may be struggling with the child. Maybe they're discouraged because things aren't going the way that maybe they would have hoped. Maybe they think, well, I made so many mistakes, but God, I pray right now that your love and grace would just surround them. 